born to die that he might give eternal life that I might live Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. Your job in life is going to try to lift people up. And some people just go through life just want to put people down. And that's why you have to be careful. You have to watch that. So he says, But made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Now he was God. But he made himself like a man. And not just being a man. Look what else he says. Being found in fashion as a man, because he was put in the human flesh, he, and you ought to underline these words, because this is what it's talking about, the kind of a mind you and I are supposed to have, humbled himself. It means that nobody had to humble him. He did it himself. And became obedient. That's because of a deliberate choice. Not my will, but thy will be done. He submitted himself to the will of his father. And he says, and became obedient unto what? Unto death. So we should serve the Lord until we're dead. Even if God calls you to die, then you have to die. Would you like to die the way he died? I don't think we'd want to. I don't think we'd want to. But God does want us to be found faithful until death. Even the death of the cross. Now, look what he says now. Here's the other part you need to get with this. Wherefore God also hath highly highly exalted him, given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven, earth, under the earth, every tongue should confess Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, this is to show you and I how you and I are supposed to think in this life. We have a heavenly Father. You and I are supposed to submit ourselves he said, well, I'm a child of the king. Yes, I'm a child of the king. His royal blood now flows in my veins. So I am a child of the king. But as long as I'm living here in this flesh, in this body, Paul made this statement in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, I made myself servant unto all. I made myself servant that I might gain. Now, nobody can make you serve God. Nobody can make you a servant. Nobody can make you humble yourself. We can't do it. Now, God can make you suffer the consequences. But no man can make another person love God and humble himself to God. You can't do it. Because it's something every person has to do for themselves. And so he says, humble yourselves 
And in due time, he will exalt you. Now, you read the first Corinthians, I mean, Peter, and uh, you'll see some of this in chapter 5. But now, look at this also. This little brief story, and many times uh, we try to explain things by using some of the stuff that we see in other scriptures. Uh, back in the book of Ezekiel, it talks about a wheel inside of a wheel and uh, strange things happening. Well, some people you know, draw the conclusion, well, that, that was a spaceship that came down here and had all these wheels and so forth, and what he saw, fire, and it's gone quick. But it said it had four faces. The face of a lion, face of a man, the face of, a, of an ox, face of an eagle. And so when you take those four faces of the living creatures, now you'll find that also mentioned in the book of Revelation in chapter 4. But when you also break it down, you have the four Gospels. In the book of Matthew, it talks about Jesus Christ as the king. And so throughout the book of Matthew, if you just look at it and study those scriptures, as Christ coming to be the king. And that's where he chooses his cabinet. He lays down this law that he's going to have during the millennium and all these things. And, and a lot of the things talking about kingdom of heaven, because the king who came from heaven comes to the earth, set up a kingdom. And almost all the things in the book of Matthew can be seen through that perspective. But then when you come to the book of Mark, Mark is a picture of the ox, the servant. And if you'll notice in the book of Mark, almost every verse starts off and, straightway, immediately, continually. It's just like one long sentence. And so it's a servant who is continually serving. Talks about him getting up early in the morning, going late at night. And all he did in the long line, and he healed everybody and all this. And he is a servant throughout the book of Mark. But when you come to the book of Luke, now Luke was written by, called Dr. Luke, and he pictures Jesus Christ as a man. But as a man, and it talks about the, the birth of Christ as a man, and he was the son of man, and how that he was taken to the temple, and he was circumcised. You know, see, a lot of those things that you find in the book of Luke, because it's talking about Christ as the man. And in there, it's not just that he was a man, he was the perfect man. And so you look at the book of Luke as the man, the son of God, the son of man, the perfect man that came into this world and look what he did. And it talks about all these stories and it's a pretty long book. But then when you come to the gospel of John, you don't find any temptations mentioned in that book. Because John pictures Jesus Christ as the eagle. And as the eagle, he's high, exalted, lifted up as God himself. And so when you study the book of John, you can see a lot of the deity of Christ. And knowing what's in man and all the things that he did. And so many of the miracles. And he says that the story or the book of John was written that you might believe that Jesus was the Christ the Son of the living God, and by believing in Him, you may have life through His name. So you have four faces, four books, but you put them all together, you get a composite picture of Jesus Christ. It's like a, a four-color portrait. And the more you add to it, the, the, the more 
understandable it is. Because, see, Christ wasn't just a king. He wasn't just a servant. He wasn't just a man. He wasn't just God. He was all of that. And so, because of who you are, he was a king. But he humbled himself, became a servant. Now, he was God, but he became a man. And so, yes, you are a child of God. And these people in this world ought to know who I am. And they ought to bow to me and honor me and exalt me and praise me and worship me. Oh, really? Well, it ain't going to happen because the world hated him, so the world is going to hate you. Now, Christ said that. I didn't make that up. I sounded intelligent, but I didn't make it up. Christ says they hate me, they're going to hate you. And they call me the Prince of Beelzebub. What do they think they're going to call you? So you are not supposed to think that this world is going to honor us. The more you serve the Lord, the more difficult it's going to be on you from the world. But he says, serve the Lord. And serving the Lord is serving people. And so this is why we say, do you want to serve the Lord? You say, I want to serve the Lord. Teach a Sunday school class. Work with the Christian Youth Ranch. Work in Reformers Unanimous. Work, work with the Wana. We, we want you to do something. Why? I thought you wanted to serve the Lord. Servant is servant. Serve. Look back here now in the book of Philippians in chapter 2. So Christ humbled himself and God exalted him. In this life, we're to humble ourselves to do the will of him that sent us. Until the day it's all over and then we can expect God to exalt us to wherever he wants based upon how we humbled ourselves. So, if you know how it works, it'll help you to understand a little bit better all the problems you have. Does it force you to try to make things happen or do you just can you trust the Lord can you have peace of mind somebody asked me a question one day says uh, what's one of your favorite verses <laughs> I says I, I'd like to show it to you look in the book of Isaiah I want you to look at this real quick the book of Isaiah and look in chapter 26 and look in verse 3 and 4. These two verses have really helped me over the years. I can't say I've always obeyed them. I sure wished I had. Do you think at this stage of my Christian maturity that I still get frustrated, mad, upset, angry, bitter, jealous, envious, you think I get that way? Of course I do. <laughs> Should I? Of course I shouldn't. I got an old sinful nature. Haven't totally been able to corral that old guy. He still gets the best of me once in a while. But look in Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 3. Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. Because he trusteth in thee. Now how do you know that you're trusting the Lord? 
Well, the Lord can send you a lot of problems of all kinds. And it's going to test your faith. What does it do to you? How do you handle it? How do you handle pressure? Have you had any lately? If you haven't had any lately, just be patient. It's coming tomorrow. It may be the day afterwards, but you're going to have it. You're either coming out of a fire, you're in the fire, or you're coming out of a fire. But buddy, the fire is real. And the Bible says the trial of your faith, though it be tried with fire. And a lot of times you're going to get burned. So he says here in verse 4, Trust ye in the Lord forever. For in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting, and here's that word, strength. There is strength for the journey. Because your mind is stayed upon him. And he will give you peace. Now, go back to the book of Philippians. And we'll look very quickly at verse 12 through 16. And then close. Verse 12, Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, this is not talking about working for salvation. It's talking about working out God's put in. You see, God has saved you, yes, from the penalty of sin, hell, but also you need to be delivered from the pressures of life. You need salvation in other areas. The word salvation uh, doesn't always refer to being saved from hell. There's a lot of other things you can need to be saved from. Save us from this present evil world, uh, from the flesh and the sin nature. You're talking about the, the devil and all. So there's, in the Christian life, things that you and I need to be delivered from, to be saved from. And so when you put the Lord first humble yourself and he will exalt you in due time. He says, just go ahead and live for the Lord. Because the biggest fear you and I ought to have is the fear of missing the will of God for our life. The fear of appearing prideful before God. Now remember this. It says in the Old Testament about do not fear their faces. Because sometimes a person's face is not always true. I've seen people who have a certain countenance, expressions on their face, and I think they must be mad about something. And so I ask, what are you mad about? Nothing? Well, you look like you're mad. Well, I'm not. It's just they, they weren't smiling, but they weren't mad. So I read it wrong. I've seen people that look at you and they always seem like they've got a smile. And they're not really smiling. But they look like they're smiling. It, that doesn't mean they even like you. Have you ever seen a dog wag his tail at you while he's ready to bite you? I said, he ain't going to bite you. His tail is wagging. Huh? You reach down there to pat that little dog with that little tail wagging. You can't always tell. And so, when it comes to this serving the Lord... Uh, there's times when you can't always tell where people are and you misread and so we therefore we, when we misread we, we misjudge and so you want to be very careful of that but look in verse 13 for it is God that worketh 
in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Now, this verse goes back to Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6. Look at it very quickly where he says, Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform. Serving the Lord is letting God perform through you. That's all it boils down to. When he says that uh, ye are the body of Christ, yeah, we are the body of Christ collectively, and so we make up the church, we're the bride of Christ. But in reality, my body is the body of Christ. See, he wants to live in this world, but he needs a body, so I let him have mine. He, he bought it and paid for it, so I just yield it to him and let him use my body. And therefore, you want to say and do the things that you believe God wants to do. And so we're yielding. That's what serving the Lord is. And get what he said. In verse uh, 13, the last part of it, to will and to do of his, his good pleasure. And we're that which pleases God. Now, the fire that you may go through, the storms of life, the tribulations, trials, all these things, how you handle it probably pleases God. So even in the midst of it, you want to please God. And whenever you don't have anything going wrong, you still want to live in such a way that you please God. So whatever it is that happens in our life, whatever people say or do to you, you still want to please the Lord. However you respond, is that acceptable to God? Acceptable. Does he accept it? Doesn't matter about anybody else, but is God pleased? I want him to be pleased. And so he says in verse 14, do all things and get this without murmuring and disputing. Because if you don't think right, you're not going to live right. And when you don't think right, things that goes wrong is what causes you to murmur and complain. You know any complaining Christians? You call them whiners. Whine, whine, whine. Just whine all the time about everything. I, I don't think God wants us to be whiners. Now, this same scripture is found also in the book of Corinthians, in chapter 10, where he talks about they murmured against Moses, and here come the snakes. He says, this is written for an example that you don't do like they did. They murmured and complained, and God has to judge. So you want to be very careful. So he says in verse 15, that ye may be in this world blameless, harmless, the sons of God. Because you've humbled yourself without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation or nation among, and you ought to online it, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This is what he's talking about. That men may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Your good works is the light. That's what they see. People can't see your faith except by your work. People see your works. And he says, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. And that's also our prayer, our desire. You do not want to live your life down here in vain. And if you live your life for yourself, it's vain glory. In other words, you did whatever you did because I want glory for me. And God says, I will not honor you. And you will not be blessed. And he may have to lure the boom. Now let me show you something. 
Most of you have never seen this before. But watch now very closely. At no time will this hand ever leave my wrist. I want you to watch. Verify that this is true. This is you and me. And letter of the wallet represents sin. We all have sin on us. God loves us. Now, he hates our sin, but he loves us. And the Bible says we have all sinned. You say, well, what is sin? Well, whatever it is, you did it. Because God says all of us have. But whatever it is, it's rebellion to God. It's disobedient. It's transgressing the law. It's not fulfilling the law. It's not being perfect. So God has his perfect law. You want to live with him? Just be perfect. Nobody's perfect. So the law condemns everybody because all have sinned. And the wages of sin is, is death. So we all have to die. That's why everybody born, everybody dies. You see, Christ didn't have to die because, you see, he didn't have a sinful nature. He never did anything wrong. But we've all sinned, so we're all condemned. And to be eternally separated from God in a literal fire burning hell. So you don't need a Savior to keep you from going to a place if it don't exist. So God says he loves us, wants us to go to heaven. And to go to heaven, we have to be perfect, no sin. And nobody's perfect. Nobody qualifies. So God says, by your works, you cannot improve your situation. You're already condemned. So doing good deeds will not take away your bad deeds. This requires death. If there's only one sin over here, all your good works of all of your life can't take away that one sin. You still got to die. Still got to pay for it. You're still going to go to hell. But God loves us. And he says you cannot pay for your sins by good works. You need a savior. We can't save ourselves. And the law puts us in this condition so that we can see that no man is righteous. The law points you to Christ. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord. God in the flesh came into the world. He has no sin. Doesn't have to die. But he loves us. Hates our sin because our sin separates us from him. So Jesus Christ, who had no sin, didn't have to die. He took all the sin of all the world, paid for it on the cross. Came back from the dead. And he says, the only thing you and I have to do, believe that he did it for us. Why did he do this? Because he didn't want you to do this. He did it for you. He paid for your sin because he didn't want you to pay for your sins. And the Bible says that Christ died for our sins before we were ever born. He did it 2,000 years ago. So if he paid for our sin 2,000 years ago, how many of our sins did he pay for? All of them before we were ever born. So that means past, present, future. He's already paid for every sin that I'll ever commit in my whole life. And he did the same thing for you. For the whole world. And the only thing he wanted us to do when he came back from the dead is this. Will you believe I did that for you? So when you believe he did it for you, you're not going to try to earn your way to heaven. Why? Because you know you're already going. See, people are trying to earn their way to heaven by their good life. It means they're not trusting in what he did. They're going to trust in what they do. I know I'm going to heaven because of what he said and because of what he did. What he did was he paid for all my sins. And what he said was, if I'd believe it, I'd have eternal life. So when I trusted Christ as my Savior, God gave me as a free gift everlasting life. If it's everlasting life, how long would it last? If it lasts forever and all my sins are paid, where am I going when I die? Can I know I'm going to heaven before I die? Of course. 
I know I'm going to heaven. You know, most people, like, they don't know that. They think it's because of how they live. How you live cannot determine your destination. And it's a shame that people can't see it. But it says many are on the road, the broad road that leads to destruction. And the narrow, few people see this. Because they're still trying to earn their way by how they live. And thinking, well, I know she's not saved because, you know, if she was saved, she wouldn't do that. No, you don't get it. A person can trust Christ as Savior and not obey the Lord. Now look up here. When you trusted Christ as your Savior, if you do it today, you become a child of God. And as a child of God, you got a choice. You can be an obedient child or a disobedient child, but you're still his child. i got three children, the hard way, one wife. When those kids are born into my family, when they're good, they're mine, and when they're bad, they're Betty's. <laughs> no, they're still ours. But they can be obedient or disobedient. God said, if I'm obedient, he'll bless my life here, and he'll reward me when I get to heaven. But if I'm disobedient, he's going to have to chasten me, maybe discipline me, uh, take me home for my time. But I'm still his child. So in my Christian life, I decided I would rather have God bless my life than to whoop me. So I want to be an obedient child of God. But see, I'm not doing this to be a child of God. I'm not doing this to get to heaven. I'm doing it because I'm going to heaven. I am his child. And I would rather have his blessings than his whoopings. Doesn't that make sense? But I'm not trying to do it to get to heaven. See, if you're doing it to try to get to heaven, you ain't going. You're not saved until you trust Christ and him alone as your only hope of going to heaven. You're saved by faith, not by your works. One work annuls grace. One word. You depend upon one word to get you to heaven. It annuls grace. Because grace is the absence of work. It, look, if I offered you this year book and you accept it, what would you have? If I offered you this microphone and you accept it, what would you have? Microphone. If I offered you my wallet and you accept it, what would you have? Empty wallet. We're going to take up another collection in a minute. If Christ walked across here and he offered you eternal life and you accepted, what would you have? Eternal life. And if it's eternal life and it lasts forever and all your sins are paid, where are you going? Heaven. Going to heaven. Let's pray, shall we? Every head bowed and every eye closed. No one looking around. If you are here today and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, would you put your trust in him? I hope because of the things that we've said, what we've shared, you understand you cannot save yourself. The preacher can't save you. The church can't save you. All of your good works will not help. Would you put your trust in Christ? He died for you because he loved you. He paid for all of your sins so that you wouldn't have to. And all he wanted you to do is, would you believe he did it for you? And by you believing that, he gives that payment that he made. He gives it to you. You have a payment for your sins. You go to heaven whenever you die. There's no tricks to it, no gimmicks. I'm not going to pin you against the wall, but I am going to ask you in just a moment. To raise your hand. Raising your hand does not save you. I'm not going to have you forward. I'm not going to try to embarrass you. But right where you're sitting, you say, Preacher, that made sense to me. And I will accept Jesus Christ as my Savior right now. And if you're making that decision, I'd like to know and I'd like to have prayer for you. And I'm going to ask you if you'll just slip it up very quickly, put it right back down. And say, Preacher, that made sense. I will trust Christ as my Savior. I want to know that I'm going to heaven when I die. Is there anyone at all? Anyone at all? Just slip it up, put it right back down. If you have trusted Christ as your Savior, you have something to share with somebody else. You've got some good news. Best news in all the world. Let's pray, shall we? 
Father, we thank you so much for this time together, for the study of your word. And, and Father, you know each person here and what we need and, and how each one of us should apply it. We depend upon the Holy Spirit to enlighten our minds and to teach us things that the pastor can't teach. But Lord, each one of these people here are, are going through various things in life and there are lessons for them, things to learn. Help us to have a, a humble spirit, submissive. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Do you have to be baptized in water to be saved and go to heaven? Would that make the person who baptized you your savior? There are at least five baptisms in the Bible. Which one gets you to heaven? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book, or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound, and we will be changed, caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me.